Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. This is episode uh, 14 of Buzz in Baltimore, and we I'm down in Columbia, Maryland, um, at Lost Ark Distilling, um, which is a distillery that is about six months old. Is yep, that right? December 3rd. Awesome. Um, and I'm here with Brad and Andy, the two co-owners. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. We appreciate Pleasure. It. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, of course. It's a beautiful um, tasting room, distillery, um, and lots of lots of room and lots of fun. So we'll talk about how people can come and do tours and tastings and stuff a little bit later. But um, if you just want to just kind of introduce yourself and talk about your background and how you guys met and decided to open Lost Ark. Yeah, so I guess I'll start. Uh, Brad, um, Andy and I both work together. We both work in IT and do computer jobs. You know, it's a, it's a to me, I kind of think of it as a means to an end, trying to find a creative outlet for us. You know, I had so many hobbies through the years, and the one thing that always stuck was homebrewing. So um, I met Andy, we started talking about homebrewing, started brewing together. Um, I remember jailbreak opening the first brewery around, it was a big deal. The owners were kind of mutual friends of another friend of ours. So um, we joined what they had, it was called the Beta Tasters. Beta Tasters, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like an early it's kind of support name. thing, yeah. So we went down both together to pick up our Beta Tasters little package, and took a tour and we just kind of walked out that day saying, you know, we, we would love to do this. Yeah. This would be amazing if we could do this. So and it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, we had set up this little Facebook page. It was a group where we would like share a new beer that we had and like give some comments about it. Just total beer nerds. Right. You know, Nerd now. whiskey or whatever we were having. Um, and every once in a while I'll post articles to it just of upcoming news, new things that were coming out. And I kept running across articles out west, like Oregon and Washington State, of craft distilleries. And at that time, like that was a foreign concept. Right. Like, what? What is a what is a craft distillery? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, here there really wasn't much right. going on for a while. Yeah. So uh, there were a couple around, but it was I think Blackwater and maybe Lion was open at the mm-hmm. time. I'm not sure, but not well known. They were tiny, teeny tiny. Right. So at least for for people like us, um, so we started looking around. Like, wow, there's a huge market opportunity. What if we actually you know, took our love for whiskey and our background in brewing and jump in. And yeah. so literally it's just has snowballed a little there. more every single day since then. And Andy, I know you were saying that you were, you know, your jobs, you were sort of in this like windowless basement and you yeah. were like, there's got to be something else. So this must be just such a freeing and creative feeling. It is really. And I mean, I think for me, when you're working on computers, Unless you're developing an app or something. Uh-huh. You, I mean, when you're a sysadmin, you don't have anything to show for yeah. your work at the end of the day. You just move bits and bytes around all day. Right. So I think that was kind of what I really liked about homebrewing is, you know, you work hard, you plan, you you know, you make something, and then you wait around, you anticipate, and then you get to share it with friends and family. And, you know, sometimes they give you feedback that you're kind of like, well, did they really like it or not? But, <laughs> you know, I mean, at least you're getting feedback and yeah, you're sharing something. Yeah, and there's a tangible and, thing Yeah, at the it's end a of tangible day. thing. And, right. you know, you kind of feel proud of it. Hey, I made this. You know, I just took some grain and some hops and some water and, you know, I, I made some beer. So so what was that transition like going from home brewing to distilling? Like, it was it sort of, did you have to learn a whole new process again or were you able to take what? There's, yeah, I mean, there was a whole lot of learning. I mean, it's a steep learning curve. Yeah. Um. And there's really not a whole lot of information out there about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up actually, kind of after we sat down, 
and decided, well, we think we want to do this. Right. We actually looked around, found a place out in Boise, Idaho, a distillery that was given a two-day course. So we signed up for it, went out there, just ended up being the two of us. Um, they were fantastic, um, Eight Feathers out That's in awesome. Boise. And we just spent the full two days just kind of from start to finish with those guys doing everything. And I think after we got back, you know, we, we kind of had the confidence. It's like, you know, this isn't, I mean, it's still, there's a lot to learn right. and do. But we felt like we could at least make a crack at it, make yeah. an attempt. So That's awesome. And how did you guys come up with sort of the name and the branding and, and all of that stuff? Well, I think we agreed from the beginning that we we wanted to be be very, very real and authentic in what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to find a story that supported that. So we didn't, we wanted to do everything ourselves in-house. We're really stubborn people like that. So <laughs> it, we wanted to be able to, to pick the grain that we wanted, you know, mass ferment and do it all ourselves. And we wanted to find a, support, a story that kind of supported that idea and that mentality. Right. So when we were doing research, um, not, I'm not originally from Maryland, so I ran across this story about the early settlers in the 1600s. They came from England, and I always told people, it's a little bit dramatic, but <laughs> if you could imagine yourself on a wooden boat in the early 1600s, floating across the ocean for four months, and Holy you're going crap. to a place, you're not going to port, you're right. not going to buy alcohol in, in, in Jamaica, you know, you're showing up where there's nothing but woods and hostile natives. You know, hostile natives. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to colonize and build everything, build the roads, build your houses. If a hammer breaks, you got to fix it. There's no Home Depot. Right. Um, so that mentality and that idea that somebody can do that and be that brave, we really wanted to embrace that. It's kind of a lost art that people fix things like that and yeah. do things like that. So we wanted to honor that mentality and the idea behind the ship that they came over on, which was called the, um, the Ark and the Dove. And so that's where the name came from. Yeah. And I know all of your um, products and your releases, which we'll get into, all have a historical significance too. So you guys, you guys are beer nerds and history nerds. Is that I actually accurate? not history nerd. No. I mean, I think it kind of we got into it when we started. <laughs> yeah. You know, we kind of got we started out with the Ark and the Dove, and then kind of started reading more about it. Right. And getting deeper into it, and we one of the things we also agreed on is we wanted to come up with you know a story for our products. And come up with something tangible, something people could relate to. Yeah. You know, Marylanders, there are a lot of there's a lot of pride. I mean, the Maryland yeah. flag is everywhere. You see all these crab flag stickers everywhere. on every car. Yeah. Um, are you from Maryland, Andy? I'm. I've lived here since I was five. Okay, so. gotcha. And so where I'm, are you I from, can, Brad? Alabama. Okay. Now, do you think that Maryland pride thing is like a unique thing to Maryland, or did, did Alabama have this kind of pride Alabama too? has crazy pride? Well, football. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. But. <laughs> I, I do think it is unique, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't definitely don't see Delaware flags. Yeah, I can't think of any other state, <laughs> really. Delaware, that, definitely not that does so much. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, like, a lot of the southern states, it's more about sports. Mm -hmm. like, oh, Texas, definitely. Pittsburgh. And right. Pittsburgh, even Pittsburgh's yeah. all kind of, you know, Pennsylvania is about, yeah. about sports. So. Yeah, but Maryland's just about itself. Yeah, in I think, general, you know, yeah. you've got the bay. Right. You know, you've got the beaches. So you've got, it's, it's kind of a unique place yeah in, in the states so. totally well it's cool that all your names have that historical tie and you kind of learn a little something yeah i mean that's how we started diving into it and you know we kind of came across the story of anne arundel so mm -hmm. our white rum is lady anne yeah so her family was a, a rich family over in england and she was supposedly very beautiful had a lot of suitors mm -hmm. um so we kind of thought that was kind of a cool kind of romantic story yeah you know, put on the back of our white rum. And that was your that's your first release, right? That was our the, first the release, rum. yep. So why did you guys decide to do rum first, or why was that? 
the liquor of choice. Well, I mean, there's kind of two ways you can go about it when you start a distillery. You can purchase pre-made distillate mm -hmm. from an out-of-state. There's a couple places around the country that are huge distilleries that will sell you pre-distilled rum, vodka, gin, whatever you want, basically. Right. Um, so a lot of people, what they do is before they start selling a product, they bring that in, they bottle, you know, they mix it, mm -hmm. bottle it, and they start selling it. What's the fun in that? Exactly. So we <laughs> wanted to. We're stubborn about Exactly. It. <laughs> and that's exactly what Brad was saying earlier. We wanted to do everything ourselves. Right, so we didn't right. want to, you know, say, you know, somebody comes in, hey, you guys made this here? Well, not really. Kind you know? of. We, kept, we put our water in it. Yeah. It was made and here it was our and water here and we and filled here. the bottle and put a cork on it. You know, we wanted to say, hey, yeah, we, this is how we make it. Right. We bring in sugar from Domino Sugar. You know, we get yeast, we mix it, we throw it in the tank, we add yeast, and we, you know, let it ferment, and then we do our distillation process. So it's all done by us in-house. In-house. And, and you mentioned Domino. I know that locally sourcing is a huge um, priority for you guys. Is there, like, a specific reason for that? or Because I know it doesn't make anything easier for you guys to keep definitely it locally not, sourced. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not easier. I actually gave a little talk at uh, a recent ADI conference in oh, Baltimore, yeah. which was really cool that they came here. but. Um, it was myself and Dan from Miscellaneous, Miscellaneous Distillery in um, Mount Airy, and we gave a little talk about that working with local farms and sourcing locally and what that really means. And one of the examples I gave in the little talk was, you know, even though we're both using local grains, the grains or the corn that Dan is getting up in Carroll County is so much different than hmm. the corn we're getting in Howard County. Yeah. And so you know this industry is going to grow just like beer is growing. There's all there's going to be all these little micro pockets of, of, you know, breweries and just like Columbia, there's what four breweries now, yeah. four or five, and yeah. then we're here now. So how do you make yourself distinct from everyone else? Right. And so you have to kind of tap into your local resources, and I think that's what drives the whole movement to begin with. Yeah, and you know, I think that people are really interested in that and like where things come from, and if you can tell them exactly where every ingredient comes from, then. That, I don't know. Is yeah, it really I mean, it's cool to go out to the farm. Yeah, I mean, when we <clears throat> before we got going, we ended up getting in touch with Rural Rhythm. Oh yeah. And um. And wh where is Rural Rhythm again? They're in Dayton, okay. which is about 15 minutes away from here. So, gotcha. Um, Ricky and Leslie are the you know married couple that own the farm, and they do kind of like us. They do everything. So um, we went out and visited them, and Ricky was really excited. He actually took us out on his tractor. We went ah. to a couple of different fields that he farms because he does. He actually farms land that he doesn't own. I guess he leases and farms. That's so, so fun. So it was cool, yeah, just to actually see, you know, the whole process of planting and harvesting. And yeah, you go out and they're on the tractor and you see that, like, the corn seeds going in the ground. <laughs> right. And you know that they're going to harvest in a few months and you're going to get it to make whiskey. And that's going to be in your corn whiskey right. really yep. soon. That's, that's way, so cool being on that tractor is way better than an IT job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, definitely. So. And so, um, and the, so the corn, I know you work with Rural Rhythm for your corn whiskey. If you want to talk a little bit about that and, and the name and maybe why you went with the corn whiskey instead of a rye, which seems to be all the rage these days. Well, I, I guess I've always been taught there's a time and a place for everything. Mm -hmm. So you have to start somewhere. Um, our corn whiskey recipe is very, very similar to a bourbon recipe. Okay. So it, it gave us the opportunity. And corn whiskey is known as being, quote unquote, the moonshine. Um, which we don't label it as a moonshine, but it gives us an opportunity to learn our equipment, get settled in, figure out, you know, how we're mashing and fermenting and all that stuff. Work out the kinks, put out a young whiskey, have a whiskey on the market, and then come back and do a really solid job on a rye. And another point behind the rye too is 
we're very, very stubborn. We wanted local rye. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned Rural Rhythm. We're also working with Dark Cloud Malt House, which is a new, one of the first two or three malt houses about them. in Maryland. Yeah. So actually, again, right here in Howard County, they actually know Ricky and Leslie. That <laughs> yeah, They're actually, grow, Ricky and Leslie are growing the rye for Dark Cloud Malt House. Wow. So we're going to be sourcing rye through them and some of our malted barley, hopefully by end of summer in the fall and so you, where are they again you said howard county but yeah right out in dayton right on 32 oh, yeah. that's awesome and then dark clouds over right at um they're at 70 and 97 mm -hmm. okay i can't remember the name of the town over there but but basically close right, by. right there yeah not yeah. too far at all so and, that's and i think the other cool thing about it is you know when we first started talking to ricky and leslie and you know approached the idea well eventually we're going to want to do some rye they're like well what because basically farmers around here use it as a cover crop. So they'll yeah. plant it, it'll grow over the winter, then they just plow it under in the spring. Right. So they didn't even really know what varieties would work, yeah. you know, what we would need. Um, so Ricky actually, I guess there's local, regional. Um, regional, yeah. <laughs> um, support from like the state and also yeah. the University of Maryland has their big agriculture yeah. program. So there's a, somebody who actually started working with Ricky and they tried a couple different varieties, and he's planting those. Um, so they're they're trying to, you know, it's it's something new for them as well. Right. So it's kind of neat to kind of drive that, you know, to to change it and make it profitable for them because Cause they, now they can really... turn around and sell rye to distilleries and breweries because rye's pretty big, pretty hot in yeah. brewing as well. So it's funny that it was just like a cover up crop, like kind of exactly not yeah. really much use, and now all these people can so want to pay you know, for it. I mean, he's not going to make a whole lot of money off it, but at least. It's better than better nothing. nothing so, yeah, you know. Uh, so the plan is eventually for you guys to do a rye whiskey. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, yeah I think for they sure. just harvested this week or last week, maybe. That's exciting. That's so cool. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> so and your corn whiskey is sixteen thirty two. Sixteen thirty four. Sixteen thirty four. So what's the significance of the name of that or the other the yeah, so of that? That goes back to our, to our original theme of the Ark and the Dove coming to colonize Maryland, and sixteen thirty four was actually the year that they arrived in Maryland. Beautiful. So, and, and back to that mentality and that, like, the idea that those people got on a boat came over here. And they were, like, specifically chosen because they could they could survive, basically. Right. And so it's kind of that hard work. We kind of say that our 1634s is just, like, a young kind of a working man's, like, <laughs> it's a rough, little rough around the edges corn whiskey. You know, it's not a, a aged bourbon that's eight years old or whatever it's right you know it's a young whiskey and it's it something you can see those guys edges. drinking you right know I mean? exactly totally <clears throat> you know, should we try some is sure. that okay okay I we know actually um yeah so we did a small batch a couple months ago just like roughly 40 bottles we just finished our big first full production batch so we haven't even bottled it yet oh this so is exciting right out of the pot thank you i saw you guys released it what in march or something and it something sold out like really quickly yeah we sold like all of our bottles in like a day. I think we had like, like no big deal. Bottles. Sold out in a day. There's a huge demand. I mean, clearly, we still have people coming in and asking about it, and, and well, so we'll be back when the whiskey's ready. Yeah, so. and I guess people probably aren't used to seeing um, clear whiskey, so that's got to be kind of interesting to see people's reactions. And well, this is unique too because we got enough yield from our batch to fill a whole 53 gallon barrel. So our staple 1634 is going to be six to eight weeks old in an uncharred barrel. So it'll get a little bit of light oakiness, a little bit of complexity from the wood, and like a light straw color. Yeah. So it won't be a true white whiskey. We wanted to give it something, something to work with, um, but we have more yield than what filled the barrel. So we're actually going to release the extra, maybe 150 bottles, 135 bottles, right off the still, and yeah. a little bit of 
It's amazing, yeah, just how like kind of sweet it is on you the nose, taste, though. You can, taste, yeah. you can taste. I can taste the corn, and I actually get some mm -hmm. grassy notes from mm -hmm. the wheat. So, oh, it's this really is about good. Ninety proof. Yeah, this would be great in like you know like a white Manhattan or something like that. Yeah, um, this definitely. This is, and then if people, so if people did want to drink this or try pick it up from here, like how, what would you guys recommend people in Baltimore area? So do. we haven't even released it yet. This <laughs> yeah. is white, like I said, white whiskey. We're going to have about a hundred and thirty-five bottles or so. Okay. We're going to release next weekend. Next weekend. Um, after that, our barrel version will be mid-August. Okay. Mid to late August. Gotcha. Well, it's delicious. It'll be interesting to see how it compares the the barrel oh, yeah. version. It'll be completely this. different. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is really good though. Um, and. So I know that uh, you talked a little bit about it, but like collaborations and partnerships are really important for you guys. And it seems like if you check out their social media, you're always posting about different small businesses and you know ways that you can work with people. So are there any like exciting kind of partnerships or collaborations that you have going on right now that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so we just do, we really collaborate anyway with anyone that we can find. It's, yeah. it's all about the community. So one of our ideas that we wanted to do when we started was kind of building like this community of craft around our brand. And um, some of the other, I guess you could say artisans that we've met in the community, we actually have um, a friend of ours, Nicole, owns Neat Nick Preserves. Oh, okay. And um, we had the bright idea to put booze in it. So Why not? Hashtag booze for breakfast is what we do. <laughs> like in like jams and stuff like that? Yeah, oh, so we have awesome. a hot toddy apple butter, which is, I've never been a huge apple butter fan, but when we put our spice rum in it, it's it delicious. Kicked it up a little, yeah, little bit, yeah. And then we have this um, Lady Anne rum punch jam, which it has like chunks of mango, pineapple, and orange, and it has our white rum in it. It's very boozy, and it it's delicious. Really we'll take it out to the farmers market, and people always ask how I like to eat it. And I'm like, with the spoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you put it on a spoon? Just right. like right yeah. out of the jar. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's totally good. good. And then we have, we'll get into it in a minute. Our summer blend of our spice rum. Yeah. Which is being put into a um, pina colada version of a jam too. Oh, that's going to be so good. Yeah. yeah. So this is soap. Yep. So woman, um, Heather, her name's Heather. Yep. Um, sensational so body care. And so we also now have spiced rum and, a, and like a handmade soap. And if you slide the, um, you can slide the cover off there. Yeah. You can see the little line across that. Yeah. She actually came and picked up the spices fresh out of our rum that oh, we used wow. to spice our rum and ground them up. Oh yeah, and you so can see. Yeah, so That's amazing. It actually smells really, really good. Yeah, like, for like actually, a, yeah, I'm for not a big fan soap. of like scented soaps. Yeah. And I really actually like that. So. I remember I picked up a soap that was made out of Natty Bow and I was like, this is going to be gross. <laughs> right, and then yeah. it was actually kind of cool. It was like, so it's kind of a good idea so to put booze in your soap. Yeah, it's just soap. neat to... You know, just all the different ways. You can partner with even people. with our leftover spices. I mean, you know, what else are we going to do? We're right. going to throw them away, right? Yeah, I mean, we've used them, and she had the idea of using it. So that's awesome. And then it's like co-marketing for both of you guys exactly. too, which yeah. is really nice. So. Um, so I know you brought up the the summer um, spiced rum, and this is something you just released, right? Like pretty recently. Yeah, what three, three weeks, weeks ago? ago? Yeah, three yeah. weeks ago. So talk a little bit about maybe what's in it, and and sort of why you decided to make kind of a tropical-ish sure. version of your I guess rum. I can start it. It'll make more sense. I'll just start at the white rum, and then we'll kind of work into sure. it that way. Yeah. So the white rum, our kind of goal, our Lady Anne white rum, um, we were, really wanted this kind of light, cocktail-friendly, very mojito-friendly type of rum. We didn't want anything heavy over the top. Um, so that's where we started. And that's actually made with a dark brown sugar that we get from Domino Sugar in Baltimore. Um, and then we took that and we add all of our spices to make our spice rum. So basically we take our white rum, put it in a big kettle, and um, ground up a bunch of spices 
and macerate it for four or five days. And all the spices we use, which you can see in front of you, mm -hmm. are nutmeg, ginger, allspice, cinnamon, star anise, ginger. We also add a little vanilla and a tiny bit of dark brown sugar. So we go a completely different direction than like Captain Morgan's where we're not thick and syrupy. There's no medicinal qualities right. to it. It's, it's purely like <laughs> rum and spices. Yeah. All the color in the bottle comes from the spices. We don't use caramel color or anything like that. Um, so we were actually in here one day with a customer and we just had the idea like who wants to drink like nutmeg and cinnamon by the pool in August? <laughs> How is there right. a way to lighten this up? So we were like, well, what about a summer blend? Um, I don't know that there's another summer blend spice rum on the market. Just, we just I made it up. I <laughs> haven't heard of it. So, so why not though? As opposed to this like kind of wintry like baking spices pecan pie apple pie kind right of you're like, like theme fall cocktail yeah we completely stuff. got rid of that and we actually have shredded coconut orange peel we use what's called kefir lime leaves mm -hmm. um, it's coriander. like a thai spice right yeah yeah coriander lemongrass lavender buds hibiscus rose hips and cinnamon they have an adorable display you guys have to come here and see it there's a paper umbrella involved a coconut it's really cute <laughs> we used to have an orange but it rotted yeah. oh yeah that doesn't <laughs> keep i guess we need to get a wax of orange or something I guess. um see so, yeah, this is really fruity and floral as opposed to like the more spicy like original version oh spice can we try the of the course. summer yeah. awesome. um so this i guess you could probably drink it on its own but i'm sure it would be so good and what and you mm. mentioned a pina colada or pina coladas any of the summer rum punches it's delicious in any fruit juice yeah, it mixes really well with fruit juice. So. Yeah, thank you. Oh, it's a really pretty color. It's, yeah, it's, it's almost like, like a rosé wine It color. is like it's a really blush. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. I mean, rosé is really popular. You might as well. This is like the rosé of uh, liquor, maybe. Oh, that's really nice. Completely unique, right? Yeah. You get a lot of the lavender and floral on the nose. Yeah, it's really bright and like really refreshing. The lavender's really nice. But you still get a little bit of the cinnamon. It's mm -hmm. like just a tiny bit. Just enough to know you're drinking a spice rum. <laughs> yeah, on the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the aftertaste. Yeah, no, it's really, really good. But it's nice and, I mean, it's nice and light. You would never, I don't know. It's funny because spice rum has like such a certain connotation and this mm -hmm. really defies that. Yeah. It's, this is really awesome. Have people been responding to this well and yeah, we, getting excited about it? I was it? a little nervous, honestly, before we released it because like I said, we just kind of made it up. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, we hope people love it. We sampled it out, like some sample batches that we did. Mm -hmm. People liked it. So we went full bore with it and released the whole batch and got a really good response from it. And do you want to talk about the name? Um, I know the names are always have a cool backstory. Yeah, so our spice drums, we label them both the same, except the, the summer version just has a sticker on the front that didn't denotes it as the summer version. Yeah. But our spice room is called Terra Maria, which is Latin for Mary's Land. And, um, oh. That's kind of self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, That's named beautiful, after though. Queen Maria, which was George Calvert's wife. And George Calvert is the one in England that actually sent the ships over and signed the charter. And Maryland was basically his idea. Gotcha. It all goes back to the ships. It does, yeah. <laughs> That's really <clears throat> cool. Um, so I, I think it's what's really interesting is what's kind of happening with Columbia right now. And um, I know it's celebrating its 50th anniversary. I feel like they're really publicizing the crap out of that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I feel like it's such an interesting and cool time for, for Columbia. It's really changing. And so why did you guys decide to open here? And how have you sort of seen Columbia evolve since you've, since, even since you've been open for six or so months? Well, I think, I mean, we, we both, like I said, we both work in the area. So we're, yeah. it's kind of a cent and it's central between the two of us. Right. We're kind of opposite directions. Yeah. On the west, east, Equidistant, east. right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, equidistant. 
Um, it's also, I mean, it's it's like you said, it's kind of an up and coming place. Yeah. So, yeah, we're starting to see more breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, just the location itself, almost halfway between DC and Baltimore, yeah. right off of 95 and the Parkway. I mean, it's easy to get to. It really is right you off have, 95. You have I couldn't Meriwether. Yeah. Meriwether right, right there. I mean, mm-hmm. so you have the mall. Um, so it's it's definitely up and coming, and we just felt like it was a good good location, centralized. Right. Um, and then just the demographics of the county itself is what we were looking for. Yeah. Um, so I think that was, that was the predominant um, reason we did it. And Brad, I remember you telling me that they uh, Howard County made it, you know, obviously people had to pave the way before you guys, but they made the process really easy opening up here, and that was something that yeah. that was really nice and appealing because it's not always easy for yeah. that stuff. We actually started in Anne Arundel County, in Annapolis. We mm-hmm. talked to the mayor, and he loved the idea. But once he got out of his office in the city council, it became a big disaster really fast. So we quickly dropped that and moved out here. As soon as they started about pass, talked about passing legislation, we're like, nope, nope. You're like, I can't wait for all <laughs> no, this. We, we, we can't go. wait for three or four years. Yeah, exactly. So. so basically what we did is we wrote um, planning and zoning here in Howard County, told them what we wanted to do, and they wrote us a letter back and said, we'd love to have you. That's awesome. I mean, it was really that simple. Wow. Um, so we came out here and real estate was a little cheaper for us. There you go. So it, it worked out for us all around. Um, and now we're right here next to um, Hysteria Brewing. It's literally our next door neighbors. Yeah, I was so just going to say, you've got such a cool environment that you're in now, you know, Black Flag down the street mm-hmm. and Hysteria is right next door and they're about, about to open, right? Yeah, they're going to throw a big party the weekend of July 1st for their grand opening. That's so we're exciting. super excited about them and all the collaborations. We've got so much planned. Yeah. We're going to do block parties outside, um, barrel sharing, distill wort. I, there's so many things. They're going to make cold press nitro uh, coffee on nitro. Um, they're gonna make craft sodas. Really cool. So if we ever get into a cocktail program, it's gonna be awesome collaborations. And you're actually drinking. I was gonna some say of their we have right to say now. we're drinking their coffee stout, and it's really delicious. Yeah, we have a work keg rate. It's actually we say it's sponsored by Hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, if you guys just talk about if people want to come visit you and do like tours and tastings, and how does it, how does that work? When are you open? And should people make an appointment? No, right now, I mean, we're, we're open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Fridays, we're open from 4 to 8. Um, Saturdays, we're 12 to 6. Sundays, 12 to 4. Yeah. Um, really, no, no format. Generally, we'll, people come in. As long as we're not in the middle of another tour, we'll, we'll start showing them around. So um, you can come in. We'd love to show you how everything's made, show you the equipment, you know, show you our process. We'd love to answer questions. Um, you know, there's always... I always get new questions that I'd never even thought of. So, what do you um, have like? What is like one of the weirdest questions people ask you? What's the weirdest question? Or just like <laughs> I don't know. There, is there one that's super common? Maybe that everybody. I think the asks? super common one is you know the copper. So you know everybody says, well, why why do you have copper? Mm-hmm. So during the fermentation process, one of the byproducts is sulfur. Um, so long time ago, probably before anybody understood the the chemi- chemistry behind it, somebody right. figured out, hey, you know, if I make my still out of copper it tastes a lot better so copper actually basically has will bind to the molecules um so it, it basically filters out the sulfur the so sulfur. it doesn't get into it yeah that's not a very it wouldn't be a very good smelling or tasting no, thing to have not. in your so, product um so eventually what happens though is we end up having to clean it so yeah um, and if we don't then we'll start getting that through in our product so but that's that's probably the most common question um where where do you get your barrels from um Right now we're getting them from Missouri. We're actually, a woman out in Garrett County near Deep Creek Lake is hmm. 
in the process of opening Cooperage out there. Oh, Free that's State. cool. Free State and Cooperage. That's awesome. So she's originally was supposed to be the end of the summer or summertime. I think it's gotten pushed back a little bit. But. I haven't talked to her in a while. So then everything so could we'll be, be able to get Maryland. Like, our whiskey, yeah, our, our corn whiskey and our bourbon will be 100% Maryland. From, I mean, like, know, from yeah. Once we start getting the malted barley from the guys at Dark Cloud, we get our corn and wheat or rye from Rural Rhythm, mm-hmm. and we get our barrels from... Garrett County, so that's amazing. It's gonna be 100% Maryland product. You're so. gonna have to throw a big party when that first Super only oh, Mar- yeah, all Maryland yeah. thing comes definitely. out. Well, and it's interesting, you know, the distilling scene is so interesting right now because I feel like there are, you know, some big places that aren't 100% local, and some are, and some aren't. And I feel like what you guys are doing is really authentic. Um, and I know it's not easy um so it's got to be interesting for you to be a part of this scene and kind of know the ins and outs and you know see how some people are marketing themselves and know that what you guys are doing is really really true to that um so i I think that it's just something that people need to realize that you're actually really local like that word gets thrown around a lot but i mean and what we say or what we the, what, saying that we're local or more authentic or we're really authentic or whatever is not a knock on how anybody else does right. what they do. There's a place for all of these ways of doing things in the market. We just chose to do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely it's not the easiest way. <laughs> chose to make it daily, really so. challenging. Yeah. So where, where do you kind of see the distilling scene in Maryland right now? Like, Do you feel like it's following kind of the craft brewery route and just going to be expanding and growing in the next few? Because even since you guys opened, I mean, so, so much has happened, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there was like this, over the last couple of years, during the same time frame we were trying to open, there was like this huge burst of distilleries where we had like two, and now there's like 18. Yeah. You know, there were like a handful, three or four, maybe five or something in the works, but I think it's kind of slowed, like, slowed down a little yeah. bit. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll change. You see big players come to the market like Sagamore. I don't think Sagamore would be the last big player in this area. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm just excited to find our little niche and and see what we can do with it you know a lot of people are asking like well how far how wide do you distribute are you in dc are you in delaware no we're in howard county right and that's our focus we're you know there's so many people just right here in columbia they don't know about us yet so yeah we don't want to stretch ourselves too thin too far when we have so much to accomplish here yeah and for people that are out there looking for looking for your rum and looking for your whiskey uh can you talk a little bit about the i think the label art is like really really beautiful it's kind of art deco i guess Mm -hmm. would you say is the right term um so and i know you just kind of worked with an an agency and they really liked it but was that sort of the where did the creativity like the inspiration for that come from really you got to give all the credit to um, our designer sarah tomko she does an amazing job. You know, we gave her the names and the stories and kind of our vision. And we, she just came up with something that's really beautiful. It's just really elegant looking. It stands out on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And couldn't be happier with it, really. Yeah. So what um, what's sort of next for you guys as far as, like, next releases and events coming up? I mean, what are you excited for? So much. <laughs> uh, so yeah, much. there's a lot going on. Yeah, so we're talking about gin. We're talking about vodka. We've got a... Corn whiskey, a barrel of corn whiskey that'll come out in August. Um, we're going to start laying down barrels of bourbon. Like I said, the rye harvest is happening. We want to get down uh, barrels of rye laid down. Um, it's just a waiting game. So much. Yeah. We're, we're trying to work with some local nonprofits and and use their liquor licenses so we can have some outdoor events, things like that. Just any way, anything we can do to get more people engaged. We want to show people we can have a good time and you know, so they can come in and understand the message of our brand. Right. 
Is there anything special about the gin or vodka that you got? Because it seems like you always have like a little twist on something. <laughs> we're talking about it right now. Yeah. Our, we're leaning towards, we don't know about gin yet. That one, we, we really want to do something special. Yeah. But our vodka, we're going to take it a different different direction and experiment with actually it being a sugarcane base instead of oh, a wheat base. Cool. Or grain base. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. We're getting there. Um, and I think it was, I, I know you mentioned this, but the fact that the um, ADI, the Distillery Institute, was here this year, do you think that that's kind of a symbol of where maybe Baltimore or Maryland is and we're getting kind of on the map as far as all this stuff's oh, concerned? Definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was that was big that they came here, um, chose Baltimore, and we were able to do some, you know, s- some s- smaller events with all the distilleries, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of cool. So we kind of showcased Maryland distilling. Um also, just we we had when we started out in 2014, like you said, there was three or four distilleries in the state. Um, what was it in the winter of 2015? We all got together and formed a guild. Yeah. So we have a Maryland Distillers Guild. Um, so everybody who's coming in has has been joining that. That's and I think huge. it's it's a pretty tight knit community. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows each other. Yeah. Um, everybody's. It's very similar to craft beer, where mm-hmm. it's more helpful. Than you know, competition. competition. It's a little bit of a competition, you know. You, I mean, you you would love to see, you know, your product get an award or something. But right. at the same time, I think everybody's helping each other. Yeah. Um, Brad and I talked about it when we not too long after we kind of started down this road. You know, Sagamore made their big announcement that they yeah. were coming to Baltimore. <laughs> First, we were just like, oh, right. you know, we were mad and angry. <laughs> then we realized it's like, hey, you know what? He's going to be pumping millions of dollars into advertising. Yeah. And focusing on Maryland craft distilling, and it's just going to help us in the it's long run. So, yeah, even putting Maryland and distilling in the same sentence. Exactly. For, yeah. Exactly. Are there big so, um, like cities? Because I, you know, I know all the big kind of craft beer cities, but are there big areas of the country that we're distilling is just like really going crazy well, right think, now? I mean, New York City's gotten pretty big. Mm-hmm. All of the state, the whole state of New York. I mean, they, yeah. they've kind of they're kind of leading the charge in like liquor laws. Okay. Yeah. So that's why they, they have so much. They've loosened up a lot on what what they allow yeah and i just read somewhere else i can't remember they said the percentage of stills and apartments in new york is it's it's something crazy really how many stills like per capita because people are just going crazy about it and they're even though it's illegal they're still doing you know they're they're trying it themselves so right um i think out you know like oregon portland area kind of kind of course you portland know, yeah <laughs> i think washington state washington has like state has a bunch of or something yeah craft distilleries wow. so um so i Really, I mean, other than New York, I can't really think of anything on the East Coast. You get down into maybe Louisville and Kentucky, but that's been that way but, for a long time. I mean, time. that's, right. yeah, we're talking about craft. That's kind of a different that, uh, yeah. animal, yeah. Like, yeah. D.C. has a fair amount now, There's right? Stuff, yep, D.C.'s got, what, five or six, I think, now? Like so. Yeah, there's that one eight distilling place. I think they're trying to be all locally-ish mm-hmm. sourced, yep. too. Yep. So that so. reminds me of you. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely growing. And like I said, I mean, it's I think it's, I tell people it's where craft brewing was probably 10 or 15 years ago. So it's yeah. kind of still in the infancy. Yeah. So we're going to have that huge growth spurt. And then at some point, just like with craft brewing, the bubble's going to burst. Right, right. And a lot of people are going to fall out. Yeah. And we want to make sure we're positioned and we're there, so we're not one of those. On people, the right so side, of it. we're on the right side of it. So. It seems like you came at this at like a really good time, though, and I mean, yeah. like right before maybe it was getting too big. And yeah, I mean, I think we're right we, in the mix. We we actually got kind of held back a little bit. Um, our original location didn't work out for us, and we kind of lost a year mm-hmm. dealing with that. But um, I think we still got in and got out 
get our products out at a good time. So yeah, you know, it's no, right, great. right when Sagamore was releasing their stuff and their grand opening, and right, yeah, you know, more and more people are showing up. Um, we're doing we're doing more and more events. Yeah. So, um, uh, what's the one you're doing? One that's coming up in Baltimore. Yeah, it's with the Maryland Distillers Guild this yeah. weekend. Oh yeah, Sunday, Sunday with uh-huh. the Baltimore Museum of, Museum of Industry. Yeah. So it's just you know we're busy every weekend. If we're not at a farmers market, we're at an event. If we're not there, we're trying to do something big here. So what farmers markets do you just? Right now we're just doing the one here in Columbia. Okay. So we really don't have any staff on hand. It's just the two of us <laughs> and the family. And, and you family. also have full time jobs. And, and you also do, have families yeah. and yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's pretty amazing. So, so did we did we didn't try everything, did yep, we? No. So, do you okay. want to try the our original spice? Sure. Room? Yeah. So this is not going to taste like Captain Morgan's. No, I've been assured. Definitely. <laughs> that just reminds me of high school in oh, so many ways. <laughs> I was actually yeah. doing a tasting a couple of weeks ago at a liquor store, and one of the guys told me it's like, oh, this is like spice room for adults. I'm like, <laughs> you know, that's that's perfect. That's yeah. such a good. You might consider that for a slogan. So again, we put nutmeg, ginger, allspice. Cinnamon, oh, star anise, um, orange peel, a little vanilla. The allspice is really good. And then we put like, yeah. just the smallest amount of dark brown sugar because we don't want to oversweeten it. Oh, it's really good. And the star anise isn't too potent because sometimes that flavor can like overtake. And everybody picks up and down differently too. I mean, it's we have people who come in that aren't licorice fans, so you know, mm-hmm. of course that's what they. That's all they taste. They just right? go to that. Yeah. No, like, but it's ah, subtle right. though. I really but think it's yeah. It's not not as bad. It's, some people think um, I get the cinnamon. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the cinnamon and probably the allspice. But we get—I mean, we just get a gamut of. You know, some people pick out the ginger. You know, so it's just—I wouldn't say there's one, fun. one spice that everybody can agree on. And that's what makes it so much fun. Cinnamon, yeah, for sure. Because some I, people will just yeah. pick out the orange. Yeah. And you're like, well, I don't taste any orange. <laughs> it's up to the the palate, right? Yep. And is there a cocktail that you think, like, do you, obviously drinking it straight is delicious, but is there a preferred way that you think you guys like it? During the holidays, it was amazing in eggnog and apple cider. We'd make these apple cider punches with it. Um, in the summertime, it's it's a great alternative in, like, a dark and stormy with ginger beer. Oh, and yeah, because the ginger probably comes yeah, out. Yeah, there's so, so much nice. punch in there. It's, <clears> like, it's it's just better than, like, that black seal, like yeah. syrupy stuff. Um, yeah, so I've been doing the, the spice rum, some tonic, and then the ginger beer. And it's That's really good. good. Like a good tonic, too. Like, yeah. yeah. Yep. Like we use here in the tasting room, we use the true syrups. Right. Our tonic is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's actually what I was thinking of when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always sample our spice room with the tonic. So. Nice. That's awesome. Um, well, those were sort of all my questions. Did you guys have anything that you wanted to, like, touch on before we go? Or do you feel like... I think, I mean, going back to kind of you had talked about the tours and the questions. I think yeah. the other thing that comes people realize is how much work is involved right i think people come in here thinking you know you guys just drink all day we just drink all day (laughs) it takes us an hour to fill a bunch of bottles Mm -hmm. with rum and we're selling it and no it's you know one batch is probably what 40 40 to 50 hours hours of work for one batch which ends up about 520 bottles in that ballpark so it's not, not <laughs> we're not just rolling it out the door. Not you know, overnight. We're in here working hard. We're sweating. It gets hot. Yeah. Um, not glamorous at all. It's not it glamorous. was 103 degrees in here our last run. <laughs> oh, my God. So That's crazy. Yeah, it was. It was really bad. The run was good, but we were not. <laughs> <laughs> but you were not in good shape. <laughs> yeah. No, and I do think that that's an important point, though, because I think, you know, in whether you're a bartender or you're a brewer or, you know, whatever you're like, 
everyone in the service industry just works so so hard mm -hmm. and yeah, all, all these all the craft people work so hard and that's why I you know really yeah. love highlighting it because I think there is a, can be a misconception when you don't know what goes into it that it's just all fun and games. Well I think also you know explaining to people how we do our cuts you know when we're doing our spirit run we're not doing like the big guys where we run a still 24 hours a day and they're just filling bottles right and they're feeding the still we're, we're doing you know small cuts we end up you know, with a, a lot cleaner product, but not as much. But it's so not just like a factory. Like it's not. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. So and that it's, you know, it, it ends up costing more because it's a lot more work. Right. And we're spending more time and we're also producing less product. So yeah, more quality product than you know, some of the big guys. So but despite all the work, still no regrets. You Absolutely. guys are no, so happy not. that you did no. this. No, I, have I mean, a blast every day. Yeah, I think filling that barrel the other day was the highlight of my oh, yeah. past yeah, couple first months, barrel you know, capped I mean, off was, it was exciting. So. That's got to be I mean, a good It's been feeling. one of those things that's just, you know, for a while it just seemed like it got further and further away that we were actually going to get to that, and then we finally got it done. So. Hey, August will be here before you know it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I can't believe it's, yeah, this year it's was already It's by, crazy. So. Yeah, I know. It's nuts. So well, Yeah, I mean, I, I think people have a better appreciation of what we do when after they come in and take the tour yeah, and just kind of see what we're doing and... Hey, it takes, you know, it takes eight hours to fill and cork and label our bottles, you know. So we don't have a automated machine. I'm just, like, adding it. all the hours in my head yeah. that you're talking about. I'm like, okay, that's, like, two, <laughs> three weeks of work. Yep, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. No, and I think that there is this culture now of, like, meeting the maker and having those mm -hmm. conversations that people really appreciate. And they Yeah, I think they definitely do. Yeah. And we mm -hmm. always do that with our tours. We don't have, we, we don't have like, a set script. No. Right. Every group that comes in gets a little bit different version. Mm -hmm. and it's all personalized. And you can yeah. also gauge, you know, you look at some people are, you know, they're home brewers, they're engineers, they're right. chemists, you know, they're all into exactly what are you doing, why are you doing it, how are you doing it. You and can then tell you get other people, if you start yeah. talking about some of the stuff and you see their, you know, their eyes glazing over, <laughs> they just want to taste. Back. They just want to yeah. taste. They're just here for the taste. Yeah, they're exactly. like, can we so, get to the taste? Like, okay, yeah, so it goes through the still and we bottle it and then let's go taste something. Got so, it. So, yeah. you know, that's pretty <laughs> No, but I think like we've all been on those tours that feel really scripted and you can tell they've done it a billion times right. and they right. have a certain. So it's nice to come to a place where you're just like, okay, it's just the two of you guys and this is. Yeah, and we just kind of go, like I said, just kind of whichever way the group is looking like they want to go. Right, so, right, exactly. Yeah. No, that's so cool. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for the samples and the sure. talk. And I really, really appreciate it. I've been meaning to come down here for a while. So it's, I like, with no traffic, I'd say, what, 20 minutes from Baltimore? It's really not yeah, that bad. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah once you beat, if, if you beat the traffic, it's like 20 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, next time you're heading down 95, <laughs> um, stop into to Lost Ark. And if people want to follow you guys, it's just, like, Facebook, Instagram, Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, that. Twitter, LostArcDistilling.com. Gotcha. Super easy to find. Cool. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate yeah, thanks it. Thanks for coming. Thank We've you. been fans for a long oh time. Oh my God. Fans. I don't know if <laughs> I can boys. handle this. Oh, thanks guys. Stop, 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 stop,